The word of the Lord that came to Hosea, son of Beri, during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Arez, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and during the reign of Jerobazim, son of Joaz, king of Israel. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her, for like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to our Lord. So he married Gomorrah, daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. Then the Lord said to Hosea, Call him Jezreel, because I will soon punish the house of Jehu for the massacre of Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of Israel. In that day I will break Israel's bow of the valley of Jezreel. Gomer conceived again and gave birth to her daughter. Then the Lord said to Hosea, Call her Lo Rahama, which means not loved, for I will no longer show love to Israel, that I should at all forgive them. Yet I will show love to Judah, and I will not save them, not by bow, sword, or battle, or by horses or horsemen, but I, the Lord their God, will save them. After she had weaned Lo Rahama, Gomer said to another son, had another son. Then the Lord said, Call him Lo Ami, which means not my people, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. Yet the Israelites will be like the sand on the seashore, which cannot be measured or counted in the place where it was said to them, You are not my people, they will be called children of the living God. The people of Judah and the people of Israel will come together. They will appoint one leader and will come up out of the land, for great will be the day of Jezreel. Say of your brothers, my people, and of your sisters, my loved ones. Well, before I uh, speak, we sh- we're going to watch a short clip. Uh, kids, you should be able to recognize the film. Well, uh, if any of you know anything about Lewis, you'll realize that he was an English literature don at uh, Oxford. And I think it's quite clever. It makes me laugh, uh, uh, that clip. At the beginning, He, the horse... Uh, spoke, which is usual in Narnia, uh, and says, my name is Philip. I think that's, I find that amusing. Uh, and to, because Phil, uh, Philip, the name Philip is, comes from two Greek words, phylos and hippos, um, which means lover of horses. Uh, I just find it makes me chuckle. It's, I, I, it makes, I know, I have a simple sense of humor. Uh, the clip deals with commitment, it deals with broken commitment, it, keep, it deals with someone who's fully committed to, to a relationship and it deals with the cost and you see the pain in Aslan's face, uh, broken commitments and the cost that he knows is coming now because of a broken commitment. Uh, Hosea, you may think Hosea is an unusual choice for a family service. Well. It is. When I, uh, I had this reading and Lou said, uh, have you read Hosea? I said, yeah, once or twice. Uh, and she said, you know what it's about? I said, yeah. She said, do you think it's appropriate for a, a family service? I thought, well, it won't be the first time we've fallen into this trap. So let me tell you a story. Uh, before we went to ordination, we were at a church that did uh, all-age services. And we had a little team together. And we would tell different stories every month. Uh, and we would use different uh, methods to tell different parts of the story. So it might be just straightforward reading from the word. It might be, uh, we might get some dramatized stuff. We might show some video clips where possible, maybe a 
clip from VeggieTales or something to show how they interpreted it. And we would build this sort of multimedia th thing together. Anyway, one, one, one time came round and we decided we were going to tell the story of Joseph, which is no mean feat, because Joseph is a particularly long story to be telling. From the old, This is Old Testament Joseph, not uh, Joseph's dad's of Jesus, because that's a very short story. Uh, so it's got a lot to it. So we had to cover quite a lot of ground. And so we were, we, we'd had bits of uh, just straightforward reading, some dramatized readings and some drama. And, and then I said, we were going to deal with Potiphar. You know, Potiphar's a bit of an odd one, Potiphar's wife in particular. And I said, why don't we just use the, uh, the story of Potiphar's wife from the uh, Lloyd Webber musical? You know, we'll just get that. Anyway, I thought I had a copy of it at home and I couldn't find it anywhere. I think I'd lent it to, to uh, my sister-in-law at the time. She had a, a copy of the uh, Potiphar's Wife, uh, story of Joseph and his amazing technical dream coat. And so I quickly that night rushed out to, uh, to the local record store and bought the DVD of Joseph. And I took it straight round to the guy's house who was doing the PA and AV and dropped it off and said, uh, that's, we just want the Potiphar's wife bit for the, 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 you know, that part of the story. And he said, oh, okay, fine. So he had it all set up. We delivered it that day. And I don't know if anyone, any of you have seen Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat with uh, Donny Osmond playing Joseph. It has Joan Collins playing Potiphar's wife. And on the whole, that's fine. She's in a very long, but very tight black dress and this huge sort of Egyptian type hat. That's fine. But all of her servants are wearing skin colored bodysuits with just tassels, two tassels strategically placed. And the horror on my face as I thought, oh my word, what am I showing in church? <laughs> so I've always been a bit careful what we talk about in family services since then. But as you, uh, you may be aware we're looking at the the, the overall series uh, is on integrity and this week we're looking at keeping commitments and Hosea is an interesting story uh, and interesting is he's an Old Testament prophet and, and, and Old Testament prophets are often portrayed as slightly unusual characters mildly extrovert quite often bonkers uh, and he has he his prophecy is uh, is almost like a dramatized reading the way he does it so he deals with the uh, the relationship between God and the people of Israel and he plays the role so if you've ever been to the theater sometimes before the show starts you'll have today the role of Christine Daae will be played by well, in this story, the role of God is played by Hosea and the role of the people of Israel is portrayed by his wife. And so God speaks to Hosea and says, I want you to go and marry a woman who is not faithful. So I want you to choose, deliberately choose a person who you know in the marriage relationship is not going to be faithful to you, who has a history of disobedience and dishonor. And I want you to choose her as your wife. 
And he does this, and it's, he's prophetically uh, reenacting the relationship between God and the people of Israel. Now, this morning, we, in the 8.30 uh, communion service, we looked at the, one of the passages from Matthew's Gospel on the part of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, where Jesus talks about, I um, uh, you are the salt of the earth. Uh, and then he says, you are the light of the world. And it's interesting what Matthew is doing there because Matthew, the whole of his beginning of his gospel is portraying Jesus in this mosaic character. He, he's, he's liking Jesus to the person of Moses through the whole of, his gospel, whole of his opening part of his gospel. So what we've got here is Matthew is telling the story of Jesus through the lens of Moses. And Jesus is currently on the top of a mountain. And he's, say, and he's, so, and he's interpreting the law. And, in, and the Israelites are going, oh, we, we've heard this before because we know that Moses went up a mountain and got the law. And actually, the, the only part of the Bible that it, that where the Bible claims for itself is written, literally written by God, are the Ten Commandments. Everything else, the Bible says it's inspired by God, but the commandments were said to be inscribed by the finger of God. So on the, on the top of the mountain, God literally speaks and, and physically writes words down. And here, Matthew is saying God is doing the same. He's on top of a mountain and he's physically speaking to you and he's interpreting law here. And then back into the story of Israel, Jesus then says something interesting. He interprets the law and he starts to deal with matters of, uh, of the law. And then he gives them this command. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And Jesus here, Matthew is saying, is, is giving them a commission that, that was originally the commission of the people of Israel. You see, God, when he was looking for a, a, a method and a means through which he would bring salvation to the world, to redeem the world, did not look for the huge people groups, did not look for the empires. In fact, he chose the least, the most insignificant of the, the people groups that existed at the time. A nomadic tribe uh, with no real connection to anywhere and he spoke into their tribe, into the, the person of Abraham and said, you are my people and your descendants, they are gonna be my people. The least of, of all the tribes that existed, yeah, the most and the nomadic, they didn't even have a land of their own. You are gonna be my tribe and, and through you, I'm gonna bring and deliver salvation. You are going to be my representatives on earth. And here in the Matthew's gospel, Jesus is doing the same thing. You are my representatives, so start acting like it. You are the salt of the earth, light of the world. So in doing so, he's communicating that we are supposed to represent God to a world. We are supposed to represent him to a world in a real and effective way. That was the charge put on the people of Israel and it is the charge that's put on the church and so when we read Hosea we can we can think oh that's okay because he's speaking to he's actually speaking to the people of Israel hundreds of years ago before they were even taken into exile because that's when this was written before even the exile of the the two tribes of Judah or two uh, two kingdoms of Judah and Israel 
But actually, it's not quite like that. God is still speaking through that to, to the church. And so this is a story about commitment. So I've chosen you knowing that you are not going to be fully committed to me. Uh, I went to a training event a few years ago, and we were looking at the culture of young people. Now, it's easy to look at young people and, young, uh, and the culture of such and say, oh, yes, and that's, that's scathing. But actually, I think some of their way of understanding has sort of through osmosis has affected a lot of society today. And they said, that quite interesting at the time, I found this fascinating. They said, young people will commit to, to something until they have something better to do and then the original commitment will be ditched and the, and the new commitment, which is more interesting or more valuable to them, they, they will then reassign a commitment to that. And so the original commitment will be dropped and, uh, and so they said it's really difficult to plan for young people because they will, they will say, yeah, I'll come to that. But what they really mean by that is I will come to that unless I get a better offer nearer the time and then I won't come to that. And actually, I think I see that in the whole of society nowadays and not just the church and not just the young people. So in this story, Hosea is, uh, is, is prophetically speaking to the, young, to the people of Israel. He said, look, God is fully committed to you. And actually what he, what he starts to tell is a God who is starting to lose his patience with them. You start to see language where God is saying, I am disowning you. No longer am I going to be your God. He's really starting to distance himself from this. And, and the, the language that's used is the language of the, of the heirs, of the children. I mean, you have to feel slightly sorry for the kids in this story, don't you? I mean, they get a bit of a raw deal when it comes to the naming. I mean, if you, you read the names of the children and you think, oh my word. Goodness, because names were so significant in that time. I will, Jezreel, which means I will punish them. Oh, that's not great, is it? Lo Ruhama, which means not loved. I mean, these people must have gone into serious counseling as they grew up. And then lo ami, which means not my people. And this is God prophetically speaking through Hosea and the naming of these children as to how he is currently viewing the people of Israel. Their commitment has been so poor towards God that he is starting to reflect back his, his anger towards them. However, God's anger, God just cannot. He's one of these people that doesn't seem to be able to stay angry for very long. Because if you, you look at all the prophets, and, and Hosea is no different, he very quickly comes back and, 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 and says, but. And there's always a but in the prophets, but we'll work this out. You will be my people, I will be your God. You are loved and we will work this out. In that story of uh, the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe, in, in that scene there, what is happening is Edmund 
has broken relationship with Aslan because he has gone off. He went off originally with the queen and actually he, he, his behavior and his actions were disobedient towards Aslan and Aslan's uh, people. He sided with the white queen and had to be rescued. He was rescued, but because he'd sided with them, he'd effectively, what Lewis is saying, he had sinned and fallen, and it therefore needed to be put right. So his, Edmund's commitment to Aslan had failed. He had broken commitment with Aslan through his disobedience. So we're seeing in this story here with Hosea, they'd wandered so far away from God and Edmund had wandered in this story so far away from Aslan and had sided with the white queen. And the queen knew then that she had power over him. Uh, she knew that she had power and, and she wanted to come and claim what was rightfully hers, which was Edmund and his blood because she knew if she, drew, if she killed Edmund, or that would be the end of any prophecy because there had to be two sons of Adam, two daughters of Eve to sit on the thrones. So Removed one of them, end of prophecy, problem solved, she would, she would win. Aslan did not regade on his commitment. Aslan's commitment was fully uh, delivered. He negotiated with the White Queen and restored Edmund back into relationship. But he did that at a cost. He did that at a cost, and the cost was ultimately him, his own life. And Hosea talks about the commitment that God has to his people, the, the, uh, and also how his people have wandered and continually to wander away. You know, we read this passage and think, oh, it was a generational thing. Well, it wasn't ever since the time of Moses. When Moses had been up on the mountain, he got the law written by the finger of God, comes down to find that the people of God, the, the very moment they come down, Moses comes down to find them worshipping a golden cow. Throughout their history, they had wandered away from God. They'd been disobedient to him. Their commitment to their God was, uh, was poor, uh, to say the least. And so God has to deal with it. And we see through the story of Hosea, we see through all the prophets, God dealing with disobedience, God dealing with broken commitment, God dealing with broken relationships continually. And he says, there are consequences to broken commitments. And the consequences for both the northern and the southern kingdom, they happen separately, but the consequences are exile. They're taken, they're taken out of the land which God had given them. That in itself is ripping them from the heart of who they are as a people group. They're taking them into, uh, into exile and to be slaves in Assyria and Babylon. And it's not for years until eventually God, God restores them back to the land which is theirs a land which is never fully restored back to them until the 1940s. You see, when I think of commitment, and I start, as we think about commitment and integrity, and integrity in Christian living, it's a little bit of a replay of the story of the Garden of Eden. In fact, everything throughout the Bible is a bit of a replay of the story of the Garden of Eden. How do we view things? 
Do we say, I'm going to put myself and my needs over a committed relationship with God? And when we, as soon as we do that, we start to make it all about us, about me. Commitment is difficult. You see, it's really easy to be committed to something when you're keen about it, isn't it? But I wouldn't say that's really commitment. You know, you're just doing something you love. Commit commitment is when it, showing, displaying commitment is when the times are tough. That's when commitment kicks in. When it's something you don't want to be doing. When it's something that's difficult. When it's something that's unpopular. Or when it's something that's dull. That's when commitment kicks in. That's when God says, I want you to be committed to this. When it gets difficult, when it gets tough, when, it's, when it was apparently dull. Or when it's unpopular, I want you to be committed to this because I am fully committed to you. 100%, I'm all in. Back to that story of Matthew, Jesus on the, uh, on the uh, Sermon on the Mount where he likens the disciples that are following Jesus, you are the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world, to the calling of the people of Israel, to, you are the people through which I am going to change everything. And, he, and Jesus does that through his disciples the ch and the church. He says, you are the people through which I'm going to change everything. And that is going to require commitment because it's going to get tough. It's going to get difficult. It's going to get unpopular. And by goodness, we know it's going to get dull at times. But I need you to stay committed to this, to, to, to be in the long run. Not give up. And as a church, you know, we've got a huge amount of commitment in that. And I want to acknowledge that and recognize that. Thank you for that. It makes life as a church leader so much easier. But there are things that we could improve. Some things need commitment without gifting. Yeah? Yeah? Some, you don't have to be called to do everything to just do it. Some things just require commitment because they need doing. For example, I am not looking for people who are gifted or called to set chairs out on a Sunday morning. I'm just looking for people who put chairs out on Sunday morning. You know, I don't necessarily think this is a spiritual gift in, as such. Service is a spiritual gift and a gift that God equips the church with. But I don't think setting chairs up is necessary. But it does need to be done. And therefore we need people that are committed to doing it, even though it appears to be fairly dull, for example. So what is it in your lives? Think about. Think about it. Think about the things that you're, you've shown commitment to in your lives, whether that's children, work, relationships, the church, whatever. How would you rate yourselves at the moment of keeping those commitments?
How would you rate yourself? And as is the case with all of the prophets, God cannot help. While he, he may get annoyed and cross with us at times, he cannot help but saying, but we can sort this out. Don't worry. We'll sort this out. We can work on it. If you're going to work with me, we'll work through this. That's his heart. Always has been. It always will be. It may be this morning that just asking that simple question, those things that you're committed to or you should be committed to, uh, and you've reflected in, in that moment of silence, you just reflect and you thought, actually, I'm not that great in this area of my life in the commitment. I, actually, I, I am committed to this. I should be committed to this, and I haven't been. Well, here's the good news. Jesus died. He rose again. You can be forgiven. He doesn't hold grudges. There is no condemnation, the Bible says. That's not, his, that's not his gift to the church. If you're feeling condemned, that's not Jesus doing that. That's probably just me and I apologize. Because Jesus wants to set you free from condemnation. He wants to set you free from those feelings. But he wants to give you the strength through his spirit to work at commitment. Commitment to the relationship primarily with him. That's what Hosea is about. It's, these, it's the commitment we have to God, to living faithfully for him. Not like uh, Gomer, his wife, who was, who was incredibly unfaithful in, in her, her life. God wants to give you the strength to live faithfully for him. Com completely committed but also committed to the relationships around us, committed to the people you work with, the neighbors, your friends, your family, to serve them the best you can in the name of Jesus. And we would love to pray for you at the end of the service for some of those, maybe some of the words that, uh, uh, that Lou shared, some words that were given during the service, before the service. Maybe you, that resonated with you. We'd love to pray with you. But maybe just you think, ah, on reflection, I really, really need to work on commitment with this. I, I so quickly get distracted in this area of my life, and I just want the spirit to come and give me the strength to work together to push through this boundary, this barrier. Then we'd love to pray for you. We're going to close in a moment with uh, a blessing. But can I say, I am really pleased to see so many of you. I know our numbers are low down, but I must admit, when I saw the weather forecast today, I thought it was going to be me, uh, Lou, and a whippet. <laughs> or, you know. So thank you for braving the storm, Kira, or whatever her name is. Uh, and I, you know, please, on your way home, drive safely and carefully. Uh, and have a great but safe day. Would you like to stand? So at the end of our service, there's going to be tea and coffee at the back over there. There's going to be prayer ministry here. If you want to uh, speak to myself or Paul about tickets for 
the beer tasting, then please do that. Just And also tickets for the J. John event. You can get the J. John event tickets through the uh, Church Suite app. They're on there now. The, just You have to look for the 4th and 5th of April. Uh, and also, if you want to speak to us about the uh, trip to Uganda, then either speak to Gary or Nimlet about the details, or if it's about finance, come speak to myself or David. The peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit rest upon you and remain with you always. Amen. So go in peace to love and to serve the Lord. Amen.